Hey, this is the Bridging Realities Podcast with your hosts, Danielle Polgar and Eugenia Crock. Bridging the esoteric and the practical concepts of astrology into everyday life. We're happy you're hanging out with us and we hope you enjoy. Okay, welcome back, tribe. Yay! Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome this week. What is it? We're, oh my gosh, it's almost August. Yeah. Crazy pants. Crazy pants. It's yet any crazier. It could like the moment we've all been waiting for in a way. I know. Since we crossed the threshold into 2017, it's like August. Whoa, what's going to happen? It's happening. Yeah. Everyone's like, uh, you know, not everyone, but I have a lot of people ask me things. I'm like, I don't know until the eclipse. I won't know yeah. anything until the eclipse. Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how are you doing, darling? I'm good. Hanging with my little chica here, and um, she just slept through our whole recording, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah, yeah, so. it's a very calm conversation mm-hmm. to just you know listen and have soul's words fluidly flow over us. Yes, and through us. Yeah, really beautiful. And yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing good. I think. She spoke to a lot of what I feel is happening inside, you know, this whole space of being, you know, living in the heart space and being creative with life and mm. gauging with these parts of ourselves that, you know, just all the parts of ourselves. And then also in the greater collective, I think, looking at every person as a part of ourselves, mm-hmm. as a part of our greater, you know, the collective consciousness and what are we holding issue with? What are we resisting? What are we celebrating? You know, um, all of these things. So mm. I'm kind of just observing right now, I feel like. I'm not mm-hmm. an active participant, only in my private life. <laughs> I feel that actually. <laughs> like it is such a, a dreamlike moment right now. And it's, there's not much to do except just be. There's not like a lot of action necessary right now. It feels like, you know, because it's it's action enough to be at the the moment. Yeah, and I do, I agree. Like, I think there's a really beautiful approach to approach astrology in this gestalt way that you spoke about in the interview, just really looking at these aspects in our chart and having conversations with them, like Soul speaks about in the interview. And, um... Yeah, it's a really, it's a, a lovely dynamic to, to have soul on and her soul flow approach astrology. I really, I really dig it. And, you know, for those of you listening or to our listeners, you know, if you are interested in getting a reading with soul, uh, we will have all of that information provided with this episode. But, you know, if you do want a free 45 minute reading with soul, just join our Patreon at $15. Um, and that gets you into the Facebook group, the new moon ritual and all the goodies that come with being a member of our tribe. And I really want to put out there to subscribe to us on iTunes and review us. We love that. I think that's really good for us all. <laughs> Look at Soleil. Um, you know, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, she's like, boom. she's like free boobs, free boobs. <laughs> um, So, yeah, so I just want to mention that if any of you really resonate with Soul in this episode and you want to get in on that, you know, we've had Gemini Brett give away a free reading. We've had um, someone else. I I can't remember. I don't even know what year or dimension we're in these days. So so please, you know, if you want to join this tribe and get in on these Facebook conversations with our private group, please do so and subscribe on iTunes and all the good stuff so that we can keep building this tribe and keep interweaving, interconnecting with one another and um, benefiting from each other's gifts because what soul has to offer to astrology is different than what I have to offer and what you, Danny, have to offer astrology is different and we all have our own 
strengths and gifts with this this modality and each of you listening to us as well so let's share amongst each other this tribe so uh not much more to say except sit back relax and enjoy this one let it flow let it flow yo let it flow yo yeah and there's a little meditation at the end so put yourself in a nice situation for that love seeing the baby she's so freaking cute oh god i just want to like be there like holding her and like being like hello babe hello (laughs) yes aren't you the sweetest oh my uh anyway so enjoy this one everyone we love you enjoy All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bridging Realities. Danny here with my little baby, Soleil, and we've got Eugenia, and we have our special guest, Soul, back on the line with us to talk about some good stuff. Hey, ladies. How's it going? Hey. What did we just call it? A goddess party? Wait, what What did we just call it? Goddess Lab. Goddess Lab. Welcome to the Goddess Lab. (laughs) (laughs) The goddess think tank. <laughs> well, this is fun to have some goddess energy right now in the midst of some crazy, wild energy going on in the world. We're so happy you're here, Soul, to help calm us down and tell people about the work you're doing in the world with astrology. And get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> help us realign. Help us. Yeah, realign. That's exactly it. It's realignment. And I think it's an ongoing work. It's like flossing your teeth. You have to do it every day. So it's practice, you know. And, and, and I think now more than ever, you know, um, due to a lot of big changes in the consciousness of people, it's more than ever necessary to, to maintain um, an equilibrium in the way that, you know, as good as we can. So anything that we can use to promote balance and health and joy and love is absolutely something we should uh, spend a little time cultivating. It's easy to come down and it's very hard to to get up again. So if people work a lot with themselves, uh, I think um, a lot of it, um, you know, they can end up um, becoming antagonistic towards their own issues and then overdoing it or and feeling very frustrated that nothing changes, right? So we need to work some energy as well um, and, and change and and get dynamic again. That's exactly the best thing to do at this particular moment in time. It's, you know, these eclipses are very special, especially this one. It's been, you know, I've been thinking, why is this so incredibly strong? Why is this particular eclipse so incredibly strong? Because we have eclipses every year, right? We had, you know, it's not, but then I thought, well, it's in Leo. So I guess that's why, you know, it's the heart of, of existence, it's the purpose of life, it's uh, it's the breath of life itself, it's the sun, right? So it's not just any eclipse, it's not just, you know, an eclipse in, in Gemini, where you have Mercury activated, which is could be very strong if you're very mercurial, then you have a lot of planets in Gemini, but this is the sun, it's the heart of your chart, and it's really dealing with these big themes of love and death and life, and purpose and meaning and and a deeper connection to life which i think uh, is what most people fear but we long for at the same time <clears throat> and i read this um i've been um, interested in just recently looking at the chart of this um, american uh, guru fella ramdas you know ramdas yeah it just you know, it's one of these moments I think all astrologers have when you just, I have to check that chart. You know, for some reason you don't know, you just have to check the chart. And I saw he's born in a, a couple of days after an eclipse. And he has the sun on the nodal axis in Aries. And Uranus is conjuncted. So it's a very Aquarian kind of vibe to this guy, you know. And he... um Uh, He wrote, uh, you know, the purpose with life is feeling it as deeply as you can and at the same time stay detached. Like, 
you go deep, right? But don't be at, too attached to the outcome of anything. So I think that can heal a lot of our fear of loving, for instance, or our fear of being present in the world, because we have this dual principle in life where we attach to something and then we create something like, like Danielle is doing now with her child. She's connecting deeply with her child. And many people say, oh, you, you don't know how mortal you are until you get a kid. That's when you get, oh, because you have this super attachment, right? This connection. And then immediately we start to fear the disconnection afterwards, right? This, you know, this kind of opposite energy. And, it, and it's a basic principle in life. You have some uh, powers that holds the cells together and holds everything in form. And then eventually there will be an opposite principle that dissolves everything and you become... You know, you let go of whatever it is you're holding on to. So we're supposed to hold on to something because it's the energy that creates anything. But at the same time, if we hold on too long, it will it becomes stale and it becomes stagnant and it becomes death again. So <clears throat> it's um, very interesting. We had a, recently, a, a, you know, a couple of deaths in in our family, not very close to my. Uh, end of the family but still you know this death came as the first thing with these eclipses this big huge wave of deaths and I think you know um, that was a little surprising because normally we associate Leo with life and uh, and 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 birth in a way so um, yeah there cannot really be any any uh, beginnings without ends so this is um this is an interesting, um, you know, the, the the fixed square in the astrology chart is very, very interesting um, because it deals with this creative principle in life where life is sustained and, um, and, and things are manifested and then eventually they dissolve into the big soup of Pisces where everything is beyond your control again and everything is, you know, you just have to let go again because that will give new life again. So... I was very surprised by this eclipse, how strong it was. And we have now exactly Mars Sun conjunction as well. So it's like Mars is following the sun all the way through these eclipses. And if you look at the next series of eclipses in, in February next year, you're gonna see a lot of Mars as well. And for these, and there's this Mars energy in these eclipses that makes it Oh, the change is really here now. It's now. So, I, yeah, I've had quite a rush of clients. You know, people are really you're working to adapt to change. And it is um, trying to figure out how they can uh, find harmony in their energy system when we are faced with the unknown, right? Because that's not something human beings are necessarily very good at. You know, we are... We are um, animals of security. Our instinctual nature is really based on protecting ourselves. So um, it's always a challenge with people because when they walk the path of spiritual development that they see that they have not as much freedom as they would love to have. And then we start seeking answers right through the astrology and we start seeking some sort of... Um, release or relief through knowing and especially trying to know what is in the future and that is something that i you know especially since i've yeah we were going to talk about soul flow today right and uh, that's exactly why i've um i've so when I, during this path of becoming an astrologer, a professional astrologer, I decided at one point that I needed something more because I want to offer a more complete, um, you know, a, a, a more complete package to people. Like they can get some energy released as well. And that's really nice. So um, that's been a very interesting journey. And um, can I mention yeah. something? While you're talking about this death rebirth piece and the eclipse. So I've been really concentrated on the series Pluto opposition that's going to be happening during the eclipse. It's so fascinating. Series being in cancer, opposing Pluto and Capricorn, like truly this masculine feminine dichotomy. But the other thing that's 
really fascinating about this eclipse is that we have this incredible trine also of Pluto to Athena and Vesta. Like this is a really powerful goddess eclipse as well. And I, I just want to throw that in there for a couple of reasons. One, because it's something for us all to think about. I mean, Athena's going to be at 12 degrees of Taurus, Vesta at 16 of Virgo, and Pluto at this this um, the 17 of Cap. And Juno is in, in Capricorn. So, you know, we also know that Eris is going to be conjunct Uranus during this eclipse as well. And so this is this like huge femme vibe but this piece about grief and loss and sustenance with with series you know I've been I've been thinking about series a lot a lot lately because a lot of my clients have come in going through these pretty big series transits and feeling a certain amount of grief and loss and this feeling of food and the necessity of it for survival and the hoarding mentality of it for survival, right? And watching actually all of my kids breastfeeding their children and thinking about that series connection, that that sustenance, that life connection. Um, and then what you talked about, but then ultimately that attachment with our children or our loved ones or whatever it might be where we... There's this element of attachment, loss, and grief, and, and, and separation with this series Pluto piece especially, but there's this piece of, the, the, the series piece of humanity of, of this desire and need for survival of food, and the transformation of food, and the transformation of the earth with series and, and, and cancer for this eclipse as well. And I'm just, I'm really fascinated by how strong the goddesses are in this 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 bit of the eclipse and so i just was curious if you wanted to talk about the series um pluto opposition at all because i think it's really fascinating that and you know venus is also slightly opposed pluto as well she'll be at 24 so i would say she is opposed too so venus and series opposing pluto during this this shift um i just wanted to weave that into the conversation and see what you how you how you poetically will want to discuss that because uh you did your whole presentation on Ceres and Pluto in Costa Rica. So let's let's hear you jam on that a little bit. It's a very powerful thing. You know, it's one of these existential issues that we have living on Earth that I think is very challenging to everyone. It is death and it's life and it's all in between. And it's it's all the ruptures that we experience in life. We, that's why I like this Ram Dass quote. You have to experience life. You cannot protect yourself from life even though it hurt before right? You, it, like, that's the thing, you know, because with Ceres, you have the, and Pluto, in, in, when they two get together, we saw that through these charts that I brought out in Costa Rica, it's like, serious shit, man. It's like people who experience this in their lives, they go through these massive cataclysmic changes where they experience the loss of security through having been exposed to some sort of abrupt nature force, like, John Lennon, his mother died, she was hit by a car. This is like, it's that kind of, sometimes it's nature is seemingly so random, right? It's, you know, like, and us living on earth, on mother, for so long, having these famines and droughts and different kinds of forest fires and floods and, you know, whatever epidemics we've gone through, we've seen so much, our history, this is one of the most fascinating travels you can do, actually, is looking back into history to see what what we have created of, you know, what what we've gone through collectively as a human species. And it's either in our genes or through reincarnation, but it's it's there and it's a preset in our in our lives. It's the moment we have an attachment and. Um, there could be fear of abandonment, of course, because we've seen loss, we've seen death, we've experienced all this. If we haven't experienced it directly, we have probably have some friends or something going through it. So, yes, I think, you know, with this series, that's why they had these mystery initiations with series, because there was a, there is a need to open men and women to a higher way of seeing life and death, a sort of unification of the two and, and trying to see them within a spectrum, like it's a polarity. There is no, you know, it's, it's two ends of the same thing. 
And that's why I think, you know, with this, that's why the theme of life and death with these, with this eclipse is so strong. It is so strong. It's like it, whatever you are holding on to and you're not ready to let go of, you think you're not ready to let go of it, let it breathe and see what happens. You know, everything comes to those who are brave enough to let go. And it was such a beautiful, we went to this, um, I, you know, it's my, there is a grandfather who died in the family and, and he decided, you know, in his tradition, we, we, keep, we have a wake, that we watch the body so that the soul can have some sort of, you know, it's almost like a Tibetan tradition. And just being there, seeing this, it's the second time that I go through this, being with the dead body and being with those who were close to him and being in this energy where we have to be conscious about letting him go. It made me think about how much we miss someone when they are not here, you know? And it's like, even though there will always be love and this love can inform us and it can still be present in our lives, even though the person that we love is not necessarily there, there will always be this, you know, the physical realm when it's separated through death, for instance. It is like, it is such a final change. There is no going back. There, there are no second chances. You cannot say these things that you wanted to say to this person or whatever. But let's just take the same kind of energy and put it into a relationship. Huh? A lot of people are very reluctant to really let each other go. When it's done, it's done, right? We are somehow always connected a little bit on an energy level. And that's, the, again, you know, that's the nurturance, that's the boob, that's the kid, you know, I'm connecting with my child. You know, there's bonds created. We create these bonds through our energy centers. And we have, as you know, with the soul, so the way that we see it in psychosynthesis is that we have sub-personas, right? And they keep holding on to each other on an energy level. They meet, you know, they meet, we meet each other in these energy dimensions and it's really you know when death occurs and the body dissolves these bonds are still there but it's much more it's dissolving and it's supposed to dissolve it's supposed you know eventually we will not have any ties back into earth again eventually we you know if we believe the tibetans we will be one with a higher something, you know, energy, whatever you like to call it. And there will be no more earthly incarnation. There will be no more earth connection. There will be no more body, right? So, you know, that's, I guess, far down the road for most of us. It's not a, even a goal for most of us. We're just trying to find security and safety in this crazy source of change. It's constantly changing. And I think that's why people are so fixated um, and rigid because it's changing so much. <laughs> and none of us are actually willing to let go of that control. Series is about control. Huh? So w w we have control, you know, because we need security. And, and uh, I remember um, there was a, my father once, and my father again, my, <laughs> my father, he said one, yeah, yeah, she's very caring, right? She's very caring. She's got the moon on the ascendant, right? She's a very caring person. That's her way of controlling people. She's nice with them, right? Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, well, it seems like a nice thing to be very caring and very giving and give, give, give all the time. But there can be an aspect of control. I'm not saying all that are very giving are very controlling. But sometimes you have that. Like the, the controlling mother. And what is the mother, why is the mother trying to control? She's trying to control the eventual pain. There will always be pain. Allow the grief. Come on. If you really, come on, two days of grief, can you, you want great love? Well, then you have to count that in. There might be two days of grief here. You have good friends. You can be with them. You know, just poof, the heart, it has a, it's almost like it's breathing. It's breathing in, it's letting, it's getting inspired and then, we can't control it and then there's grief again. So it's it's like really confronting energies, I think, you know, for, for this eclipse. I you know, I, I like it. You know, it's you know, you get used to 
<laughs> living on earth after a while i'm i'm old but you know like i'm very old but the thing is that you get used to dealing with all kinds of experiences being human you know you don't have to always be super high or super loving or super good and i think that's part of holding space this is a word that I often come back to because I think we fight too much, right? We fight everything that comes along. It's like, I don't want this to be like that. So we change it and we try to change things and we try to play God. And it is like, that's really making people very scared. It's, it's like, then they think they have control and when they see they don't have control, that's like, that's really frightening for most people. So in order to... be more fluid with life and at the same time super centered, I think it's really good to be able to to do the one thing that I think love is best with, and that is to hold space. You know, just hold space. The heart is a very sensitive organ. It's really, it's picking up on all kinds of different frequencies in the area. I think that's why most people decided, oh, this is too challenging for me. Somebody hurt me. I'm going to shut the door forever. And then life loses all its colors. It loses all its fragrance. You know, the heart is just one big flower. And when it opens, it's the fragrance of love that comes out. And love is not... It doesn't, you know, it's its own law. It doesn't know no compromise. It's just truth or nothing, I guess, you know. So it's it's really, that's not human nature. We are tricksters and liars and cheaters and players and business people. And, you know, we have all these solar plexus, hurrah, root energies going on. That's mostly activated in humanity today. So the heart opening in itself, you know, it's a, it's a deeper challenge for most people. It doesn't mean you don't have an ego. Sure, you take good care of yourself, maybe better care of yourself than if you were run by the necessity to be loved all the time, right? That's when people get self-abusive. But if you have this kind of love openness, the freedom and the love and and the courage to live in this kind of love, you have the capacity to hold space for people, no matter who they are. There's no judgment in love. This is also very dangerous for people. They think it's like this spirit, spirit, sometimes you have like, they go a little far in that direction and they lose their sense of discrimination, like they stop using their mind and suddenly they're in great danger because... But he seemed like a loving guy, you know, he would be, <laughs> or these people are not dangerous. And it's like, that's why I love that, that quote by, you know, the, the problem with life is that there is no danger music. And that's particularly interesting for people who have no, you know, who are too, um, who are too unconscious about their love energy in a way, right? You have to be super conscious when you are in this energy, you kind of, fade out and drop out and be not present. You have to be there. So it's, but the the capacity to hold space, I think is is something that all of humanity needs to develop because it's how we can embrace ourselves in a healthy and healing way without fighting our chart, sort of. Which I don't like that Mars placement in my chart. I wish I had another South Node, right? All these things that we sometimes, you can look at your chart and think, why did I get that Venus? Everybody else has a beautiful Venus, but my Venus is ruined. And it's so easy because we struggle so much with creating harmony and love in our lives, right? So it's, it's, it's so difficult to not... We live in this collective fighting mentality. Everybody's fighting. Oh, oh, you open the newspaper and criticism falls out. So we are bred in judgment and and dogmatism and in in very self-righteous energies. There's a lot of judging and criticizing going on, which makes it very difficult to have consciousness because then you start judging yourself. And you cannot be everything. You are on your way. Yeah, it's um, humility. You know, you to be humble enough to see yourself as you are is part of the whole thing. And to be able to work harmoniously with the chart is also sometimes I I try to look at the chart as sub personas. Like Venus is its own persona, and then the Moon is it. It's another persona, and and then of course I am. I am the eye that sees everything. I'm the observer of my own life. 
if you look at it from a mindfulness perspective or from a higher self perspective, right? So, or from a soul perspective, if you like. Eh? So the soul creates the body, the emotions, the mind, and it does that for a purpose. You know, there's a purpose and meaning why we get what we, you know, the capacities we have. But then life happens and life has happened and we have these presets the information that is already there we grow up here and there we have the triggers here and there we have the different you know aspects of our charts being triggered by the transits or events that we can call it it's events in our lives and with little consciousness it happens subconsciously and we think we are that right so we over identify with our personal karma in a way so we maintain it because I'm always this, I always play this persona. This is one of my masks. Like if you have a person who is, um, has a sub persona that is very sensitive, for instance, like I'm hypersensitive, right? Yeah, I have 300 planets in Pisces. So, so I have this sub persona that is super romantic, hypersensitive, hates to wound people, uh, have had some traumatic experience with wounding people, saying the wrong things, and blah, you know, and it wasn't even wrong. It just, you know, for that person, you know, for that part, it, it it's just blown out of proportion. And that sub-persona, this moon in Pisces, for instance, just to take an example, can have as an agenda to never have anyone hate them. Yeah. especially if, you know, you throw in Mars there. I don't like it when people get angry with me. So my strategy is to make everybody love me all the time. And that might not go well if you have the moon in, no, if you have the sun in Aries. Oh, the sun in Aries is totally different. It's like, oh, you're such a coward. Can't you just say it? Yeah. So you get this conflict, right? You get the polarities of one part of you can be super free, super strong, super courageous. And then you have the hypersensitive blocking that expression of the true self, the authentic self due to history. So most people then get into a fighting mode with themselves. They try to heal themselves by fixing themselves. Like if I just do enough yoga, I won't be so neurotic, right? Or something like that. Yeah, which is a good idea. Do your yoga by all means. I mean, it's very healthy for everything. So, <laughs> but it's not necessarily fixing your karmic issues, right? It's not necessarily getting deeper. You're not necessarily transforming the core with yoga, unless you get like a very therapeutic yoga with a good yoga teacher who's really, a, you know, doing her thing or his thing. But normally it's just, you know, working some energies and stabilizing the nervous system. But then if you use, for instance, like soul flow, where you, where we focus a lot on the heart, like you just open the heart and then you hold space for this particular oversensitive part of yourself that you don't like. I don't like that part of myself. It's causing me so much problems, right? It could be the oversensitive. Some people have like Pluto in Virgo. They're super critical, right? They're like, I can't relax because I have this Pluto in Virgo sub-persona that is always bugging me. I can't, I don't know how to enjoy life. Or you have like a Saturn in Capricorn and it's like restricting, restricting, restricting. And of course, we, these sub-personas, these different engines, the chart, doesn't necessarily have that willpower. We, we, we have no free will in these things. We just repeat the past as a compulsion. Uh, that's the pattern, right? So it just compulsively just repeats itself and it's causing a lot of pain for people. So sometimes the compulsion, the, the energy of the subpersona is so strong that all we can do is, that's what I call popcorn time. We can just sit back and watch it happen and know it will pass. I have not reached the level of you know, ability to transform this yet, but I will just at least be able to observe it and hold some space and not judge myself for not being able to manage this at this particular time in my life. So if we relate it back to, for instance, there is Pluto opposition, right? Which is the inner mother. It's the, it can also be the, you know, we all have mothers, even if we don't, biologically know our own mother we still have a mother something gave birth to us and we have this preset on the inner inner side where we identify a little bit 
with our mothers. If we are women, we naturally identify with the inner mother as the kind of mother we might be, right? I don't want to end up like my mother. That's often something we hear because we recognize that there are some patterns in this matrix, this mother, that we are uninterested in repeating. And still, it's a compulsion because we are, it's, you know, we bleed into each other. We copy each other. We, we create these sub-personas as we walk, you know, the moon and the sun and the Mercury and Saturn. They're not fully expressed when we're born. If that was so, the child of Danielle would be running around teaching us all mathematics or something. But she's only four months old and she's still doing the basics, right? Building a body. And, <clears throat> and some of these sub-personas are very, as Danielle's child, you know, are very uh, pre-verbal. You know, the thing that happens in the, the, the first section of the chart, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, it's pre consciousness it's it's more body consciousness or you know just something we carry in our bodies and it it's energies so to approach this to have this kind of approach to any kind of astrological transit is really really uh, creative that's a creative approach i'm just going to hold space for this i will not judge i will not go draw conclusions i will not jump to conclusions i will you know, I will do what I can do, and that is to be present here now. And whatever comes up, I will try not to fight it too much or put stories on it or, you know, I will try not to dramatize. Mm -hmm. There can be a huge drama in life. Yeah, yeah, the drama queens. They are especially active in Leo, I hear rumors of. We have different drama queens in, in different signs. Huh? So, didn't get my food. That's like cancer. And can't get no sex. That's Scorpio. <laughs> What's I'm Aquarius? People are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Aquarians can be like this, right? Yeah. Elite. It's yeah. Like, I'm so bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I got into astrology in the first place. Yeah, mm. that's boring. <laughs> mm. So, but it's it's about you know holding space for this um, whatever occurs. So you know the, when we work with soul, so we work it with the chart as an energy chart, right? It's real life energy. It's not a mental concept. Your moon is energetically you. Yeah. Venus is energetically you and you get into medical astrology in a different uh, with a little different approach from an energy approach and um, you know I know there's a lot of different debates on what chakra is what planet etc and I think it's really difficult to to um, to be 100% so I'm not going there at all when I work with this I just see it as you know a field of different voices and different masks that we put on and sometimes we get really addicted to these masks you know, I've been a mother all my life and then suddenly my children are grown and I don't know what to do with my life anymore, right? So that, that's, that could be a serious experience, right? Like the children move out and there's nothing, you know, there's no meaning in life anymore and then there can be grief. But then there's also this need, you know, to, to be able to work with what is. You know, some people keep holding on. I just want to go back to yesterday. And that's the problem. Yeah, I just want to feel good like I did yesterday. That made me, I, I need my things so I can feel good. And it becomes addictions. So that's when we lose our true freedom and actually our true joy and creativity and, and health. We lose so much health in this because as you can see, if you have like a, a ton of, well, let's, normally you have um, opposing sub-personas. Yeah? You have one part that is super naive, for instance, then you would have another part that is very, very critical. And they can be opposing each other, always having a little fight. Should I do it? I don't think you should do it. Why not? Because that, you get this overthinking things. Like, but I'm, my intuition, my, my dream. Don't you remember anything? Remember last year when you thought you had figured it out? Everything, and like you get into a quarrel with yourself. And that's what I call a circle debate. Soon you end up in the same argument that you had five minutes ago and it's the same thing it's just keep 
you know, circulating in your head. So instead of identifying with this, you take a step back, you find your popcorn, and then you say, oh, look at these two going on and on and on. Hmm, I wonder why. And then you start to wonder instead of judging. You start to wonder why. What is, what are they trying to tell me? What is my chart trying to tell me? And that's such a super approach because then you are doing the listening thing. And I find in astrology, there's little listening. The astrologer talks and then, you know, we like talking. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, uh, you don't get the information. You have to be able to listen and see. And that's what the heart does. We say with Leo, it's the one that sees. I see you. That's what Leo says. I see you. So that's becoming. Then, then, then a person's identity is born. Then you go from being your persona. You know, I often hear people say, oh, people always think I'm happy or I always feel like a pressure to be positive because everybody's looking to me for strength. This is the part that I play in my family, right? It's me in a constellation. and But I'm not always feeling like this. I wish I could break my own spell in a way. And that's exactly what we need, you know, sometimes, you know, um, when people have this feeling that they're not being seen, if it's in a relationship, he's not seeing me for who I am. I, I don't feel that my needs are met, right? Or if it's in the workplace, Oh, whatever I do, the boss is never noticing me. I never get a raise. I never get good challenges. It's like I'm not existing, right? And or it's or you're seen for the wrong things, like negative uh, attention, which is really often the case with Leo. Like my my parents always told me I was difficult, or like I never cleaned my room, or I always made a mess, and I was always, you know, I was too confronting or too angry, and. These are the things that are really stuck, how we see each other. That's what we carry in our minds. It's like, they told me I was so-and-so, therefore I became so-and-so. The rebel, you have the Uranus, the inner rebel, right? The inner rebel, that's a fun archetype to work with. It's the gother, like the, you know, the teenager energy. It's like, I'm not talking to anyone. Everybody's stupid. Mm. They don't understand me. <laughs> it's the individuation energy. And then you have the Neptunian, you know, the, the poor me thing, you know, like, the, you know, because of, you know, because of this extreme capacity to love and give away everything, maybe there will be some abuse and people will take advantage of it. And then pity comes along. Like, or you pity other people. It's like, oh, poor thing. I can't do this. Oh, my God. Look at that pigeon. It's dying. You know, it's it's really like <laughs> it's pity. Huh? The downside of Pisces is pity. We all have Pisces somewhere and we all have Neptune. So none of us are above that. But th there's the downside to all these energies. <clears throat> every, every, as every energy has a shadow aspect or a dysfunctional one. Mars, for instance, with this narcissism and egoism and selfishness, huh? the, the dominance, the I'm just running over people and I'm not even caring, right? Because they better just deal with that. And then you have this estrangement after a while, people can't deal with it. And then suddenly the Mars person is lonely and his Venus or her Venus is not being attended to at all, right? So, you know, when we do the social, we actually go in and we say, hey, Mars, what's up? Why are you doing this? What's your need? What is it that you need? And the amazing answers people get, because normally they have like a, um, I know why I do things, you know, I, I know myself. But then when they start to listen to the archetypes or to the subpersonas or the planets or whatever you like to call them, they get surprising answers. It's like, oh, oh, I, I do it because I feel afraid or because I'm insecure. I never knew. I never knew that I sometimes had an obnoxious behavior and it was because I was vulnerable. So they get a strong burst of love towards themselves. Suddenly they love Mars, right? And that's when the healing begins. It's rule number one in healing, only love. So the thing is, that, and that's when you can really, that's how I call it like purifying the archetype. It's like you, you just 
get some energy release in this particular area. And it seems the, the, the result is that we get to the higher expression of the same planetary principle. It's a more conscious expression, right? So it's a more conscious expression. So now you can use this as a talent. And eventually we ask the subpersona, so what's your gift? My gift is sudden, it's, it's intuition, for instance, or my gift is uh, courage, or my gift is action, or my gift is intelligence. And whatever was difficult for you to handle to begin with is now just a resource. So it's really resource healing. That's what we all should do with the astrology, I think, because um, there are so many resources in people and most of them are, are unused. Like, I, you know, we're in a way we're all superstars, right? Not we're maybe not destined to have that kind of pressure on us, but we are the most important person in our own lives, right? And it really matters that we feel good about ourselves if we think about the whole humanity as a body. Now, if you suddenly realize your own light, that's also part of the social. It's realizing everything is light. You know, there's light inside of darkness. There's light in matter. Like in Earth itself, there's this big bowl of light inside of Earth. It's the lava, it's the core of lava. So inside everything that seems dark, there can be a spark of light. And suddenly the light emerges and then you have energy again. Because that's what makes people happy, to have energy. But if energy only goes to the obsessions and to the compulsions and shit, it's understandable that people want to kill their energy, right? because then it's just destructive energy. But when it's constructive and creative energy, when there's love to the self, then there's gonna be a joy having energy. Then you don't feel like you have to diminish your light or crush yourself down again, because it's dangerous to have a lot of light, but then you can just express it and feel free about it. And I'm, I'm thinking a lot as a woman, you know, like I have these different experiences and, you know, in terms of sexuality, for instance, like what if a woman is extremely free with her sexuality, you know, this is the, the light of sexuality, for instance, or the light of love, you know, and it's a little, you know, there's sometimes I see, you know, like, there's this judgment going on, like there's this control of women, like they're not supposed to be like that. And, you know, there is still this thing hanging on in our lives, like that's dangerous. You need to, you know, you, women, you know, that, that's dangerous. Put a hijab on her, <laughs> like a, just, you know, be careful, you know. So, so, of course, you know, Again, you are not naive and stupid, even though you are strong and free, right? It's not the same thing. So it's just you're awake, yeah? You awake to some, some energy in you, and you have to be truthful and authentic about it because you don't want to go back to suppressing it again. So, of course, you know, it's not just you and your inner loop of relationship to yourself. It's also how we sort of connect to our environment through the energy and how that bleeds into our our and our system our way of thinking how everything conditions us so yes but i think you know that it's a marvelous journey i think um we're going to see now the age of meditation true meditation true creative meditations where we actually start to change thought forms and patterns that we are born and bred into things we never thought was possible to change. And I think that is only possible with the capacity to actually love. There has to be love. So that's the secret ingredient, actually, you know, to any good change, love and energy, right? So that's um, something I'm super excited about. And I see now, um, you know, it's, it's little, you know, when you do, you have to do some groundwork. What is this social thing going on? Yeah. But I see now it's, it's opening up a little bit, right? And it's, it's really taking people out of the mind and into some experience on a different level. And it's very funny to see most people, when we start talking with the sub-personas, how they start to analyze. And then I have to say, back off, back off, let's listen. What is this? As if you were watching a picture, as if you were watching a movie. What do you see? Just tell me what you see, not what you think you see. I know you know your story, right? But, so that's the thing, you know, we go so easily into our minds and, and yeah, I got it all figured out. I know everything. And the fact is, uh, I think there's still more to discover, you know, like 
this listening into the sub persona has been one of the most magnificent journeys that I've taken in my entire life. I'm so grateful. It's just so fascinating. Wow, the inner life. It really, you know, forget the outer life, the inner life. That's where things are happening for sure. So I'm glad now astrology is on a good roll. I mean, we're seeing astrology develop very strongly these days. And we have the internet and the advantage of connecting with a lot of people. And it's really talking directly to people's core issues. And that's the advantage of astrology. You just go straight in and you go, and then, you know, so there's huge potential for healing in astrology. I'm very happy I chose this profession. Aren't we all, huh, Eugenia? Huh? So that's uh, the basic soul flow one, two, three, ABC of soul flow. And I'm super psyched. You know, we had this soul flow experience with 100 people or so in Costa Rica. And it's really nice to see people get some connection again with themselves. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, come back to themselves again, because there's so much running on this planet. And I'm, I noticed that too now, I've, you know, I'm, I'm the presence of being totally present and opening up for the magic. You have to be there. You can't run. You, you just have to be there. You know, there's this, we have this rush all the time. And our ambitions are just killing us sometimes. You know, I have to have my house cleaned and I should do, especially I have a vacation now for my children. And it's like, then I had this idea that I was going to do everything. And I've been just having fun, of course. (laughs) So... Uh, so I don't know, Daniel, if you have anything, I know we're in the, we're literally in the soul flow right now. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't know, D- Danny, if you want to add anything, um, uh, any, uh, yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, we're just flowing with soul right now. Um, it just, it sounds so much like gestalt therapy you know, like empty chair work. And I'm so drawn to that, you know, like working with those inner people and those characters inside and how powerful that can be to really kind of integrate all these parts of who we are. So we're not breaking off and chopping off these. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be this person. I'm only going to be this person and only show the, the glamorous, nice, loving side of myself or whatever side of ourselves that we, you know, adore or want to be more of. And for me, it's just like hearing this is so it's like exactly what I needed to hear today because I'm struggling with this part of myself and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to be like that. And I am like that, you know, like I'm this frustrated person. Like when things like take a long time, I have crazy amounts of impatience. Right. And especially now being a mom, it's like my greatest teacher is right here, you know? And, uh, to take me out of that story about what that is, or I don't want to be like my mom. She was so frustrated all the time. She was so irritable, blah, blah, blah. And here I am playing that out, you know? So it's interesting. Yeah. The thing with the Gestalt thing, you know, uh, this is why, you know, for me, it was always, it was a no brainer. When I went into astrology, I had to do the soul astrology, of course. And when I went into therapy and wanted to do some therapeutic uh, teaching trainings, you know, it had to be soul oriented. And this is the thing with that I find is often very lacking in many of our therapies is that the soul is never involved because the soul is evidently something people have a very religious relationship to. It's some abstract form, but it's actually an energy center and it's actually thus it's you. It's the true self, you know, it's it's the soul, it's, it's the true self. And I think, you know, that's the advantage that I see that it's, you know, putting things apart. I think that's what we could call the, the psychology of the Aquarian age. Because what what do what is the soul? What is its practical function? Well, it lifts the energy again. So, you know, you can do a lot of healing emotional work and you can cry and cry and cry and your brain is completely worn out afterwards and you had an experience and yes, you discovered something and there was a release, but the energy can be low for days after such an experience. And the thing is that uh, that's why I love the the resource work, the resource part of Soul Flow. It's like, so what's the, t- what's the light of this particular, you know, when you start to see yourself for the first time with these eyes, you see, oh my God, I have this amazing energy. And then you come out of, you're like, you're healed. 
you know, like, because you're not just focusing on the problems, you're actually figuring out the talents with this particular energy. And, you know, I've done some, some chair work as well. It's really beautiful. I really like it. But this also is particularly interesting because it's even more over to the energy aspects of it. It's like it's even even more involving um, just pure energy. Like you're just pure energy. And, and then you get this connection to a part of what is our true natures, but is mostly lost because we live so much in our minds. We don't, we never take the time to feel these things properly. You know, like we, we identify too strongly with the mind, I think. And it's, you know, there is so much we miss out of, of ecstasy and bliss and love and da, 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 da. We go to retreats and we find it and then we get back home again and we lose it again. It's like, why aren't we getting this thing with us home? I want to be there always because that's how, that's my true self. Hmm. The other things are just, you know, experiences I make and, and, you know, stuff that I have to go through. And of course, valuable stuff, but it is, uh, I, I can't stay there too much because then I'll drain my life force. So, you know, the, the social, I, I can do you a little meditation. I have like, just do it quickie yeah yeah I was thinking it would be really nice uh, to kind of complete this conversation with you know with the meditative element that you bring to astrology yeah I can do the alignment with you and it's the alignment you know the spine is the the alignment and it is really beautiful and it's um, super easy and it's a meditation that you can do every day so if you can just close your eyes yeah just move inwards to this beautiful inner self and uh, concentrate a little bit about uh, around the, the chest area, the breathing. You just breathe into your heart. You just become aware of your heart. And now you just, um, as if you were lighting up a light, just ignite a light inside of your chest. It's the light of love. And every time you inhale, you see this light is growing in size to become a radiating sun. And with every breath, you see the sun is expanding in every direction. It's expanding towards your ribs, the back of your, your shoulder blades, the front of your chest, down into the belly, up into the throat, every direction as a star would shine. And this is a very peaceful light. It's that feeling you get maybe if you look at a beautiful sunset and you feel everything is perfect. This is the perfect moment. It's peaceful. There is nothing to change. And eventually you see this light is growing out of your body and into your, your aura, your field. Into your field. And it's lighting up the entire inner space with the same kind of loving peace that you have when you just observe something And you send this loving light to all of your sub-personas, to your subconsciousness. You spread it out into your inner garden as a radiating, vibrant light. Make it vibrate. Make it alive. And this beautiful light is shining into your brain, into the cave inside of your brain. It's the midpoint inside of your head. And there, it lights up another light. It's the great star of clarity. And this light is also expressing itself in every direction. To the side of your brain, to the back of your brain, to the front of your brain, 
to the top of your brain. It's filling up the entire brain with light. And it's expressing itself beyond your head. Like a halo. You have this beautiful light around your head. And this light is sensitive to yet another light, the light of your soul. Now feel with the top of your head, you can almost feel the light of your soul as this radiating sun above your head. It's a magnetic center that radiates. So imagine you're under this beautiful, magnificent sun. You can feel it at the top of your head, and it's almost like standing under a shower of golden light. You can feel it stripping through your entire being. It's holding everything together. You live within that light. And you can feel the midpoint of this sun very strongly connected to your spine. And it's flooding into you. And it's flooding into your heart. And it's flooding down through your feet. You open the soles of your feet. And it's flooding even further down through the many layers of soil and rock that is underneath your feet. And into the very core of earth itself, the center between our feet. We can feel this center with our pelvis. The midpoint. And with every inhale, you pull in the light of the earth into your being. And you can sort of see yourself breathing into this light. And you pull it into your body through your pelvis, through your belly, it's filling you up. And it's mixing its light with the light of your soul inside of your heart. And it's expressed through your breasts, through your heart, the channel of love. And it's not a fighting energy. It's just holding space for whatever happens. And it knows it's all going to be fine. You just feel this peaceful energy filling up your entire being. So that's the alignment. Mm -hmm. You could stay there for a couple of hours, right? It's a nice place. Mm. I call this the true yoga. It's the alignment of the centers on the inner levels. And the, the, the benefit of getting soul contact is beyond words. It's absolutely something, you know, that's why we're here. Yeah. Mm. 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 Thank you for that soul and thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm having to tell a lot of clients right now, just breathe. Everything yeah. is fine in the moment. Right. You know, there's, I've got so many clients coming with so much static, right. You know, we've got the nodes and Aquarius and Leo and, and this Aquarius element of just like chaos and, the world and, and it's like no, no 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 like just breathe into the heart you know and, and, and lift mm -hmm. lift the lift your lift mm -hmm. yoga we do these heart openings you, you, you lift the energy because otherwise we've been pulled into some gravity of our lower centers like solar plexus and i often say the the emotions make a lot of noise but the intuition and and the contact upwards is whispering mm. so we have to 
breathe and we have to open a little bit you know the physical system and then we have to open the emotional system and then we have to open you know we have to open up to this but lifting is so important mm. people need to be lighter in their energies it's like boom, boom. we walk earth with very heavy steps is everything so serious right Right. And then eventually when we die, we just realize, why did I bother so much with that stupid thing? Mm. Like, oh, I should have known better. Mm-hmm. And one day we know better before we have to know better and afterwards we know better before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we learn more. Mm. All right, sweetheart, I'm off to the next webinar thing. <laughs> the age of Aquarius, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I have a client online here coming up. So this is all perfect. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, for those of you listening, if you've enjoyed this, be sure to sign up at the $15 level on Patreon so you can get the free giveaway from Soul. Um, Of course, at the $20 level, you get a free reading with Danny and myself, and $10, you get Facebook and all the good stuff, and if, if any of you are wanting to connect with Soul, you know, beyond that, please look her up. We'll have all of the information included uh, with the podcast, but check out her soul flow, which is such a beautiful approach to astrology. So thank you for joining us, Solio. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Sol. What a beautiful experience to have the little one with us. Yeah. Yeah. She appreciates it. I can tell. Yeah. All right. So. All right, everybody. Goddess Lab Lab out, right? (laughs) Thank you, girls. Much love. Thank you. We'll talk to you listeners next week. Hey, thanks for listening to Bridging Realities. If you liked what you heard and want to be part of this conversation, consider joining our tribe. Through Patreon.com, we offer a variety of options for our listeners including our Facebook group, which for only $10 a month gives you access to our private group where we chat daily about astrology, host a live Q&A, offer new moon rituals, and much more. Check us out at patreon.com backslash bridging realities to see all of our options and to choose one that resonates for you. If you love this episode and previous episodes, share us around. Give us some stars on iTunes. Let people know about us. We want more and more people to be part of this conversation, and we love the love. For other ways to learn about Danny and myself, visit our homepage at bridgingrealities.com. Thank you again. We love you all so much. Mm-hmm.